Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Phil Tiger. Slacker Hello Slackers, I hope you're good. We have got another podcast in season four of the Slacker Podcast. This season is definitely the longest season in the history of mankind. I don't know, what what has been a longer season? EastEnders? Coronation Street? That's just one long, never-ending season of misery. (laughs) Whereas this one, I'm bringing you lovely guests every single week for you to uh, enjoy. And to be fair, like, I don't have any plan on stopping. I've got uh, podcasts booked up and done in the can and ready to go up until, I think, the mid of October. Um, And I'm still recording. Um, I've got, I'm recording one with Connor uh, Connor Oberst uh, today, uh, which won't come out for a little while. And maybe... I mean, they said they're interested. They said they want to do it, but Jaden Smith—that'd be pretty interesting, right? Um, anyway, like I, I'm going to keep hammering away at them. I'm going to keep trying to get the best guests possible. Um, and yeah, so like, if you have any suggestions that uh, of people that you want to get on the the podcast, then hit me up on um, Twitter or Instagram at Philly Taggart with one L. Um, or if you really like listen to the podcast flat out and you want to show a little bit of appreciation. Um, on Acast, there's a way. If you go to the page on Acast, you can donate whatever you want. Um, but what I would suggest is joining the Patreon community, the Patreon.com forward slash Slacker Podcast. It's where all the cool fuckers hang out. Everybody, all, everybody, that that guy that you like looked up to in school, that girl you looked up to in school, they're all on there. They're all laughing. They're all drinking pims and and Tia Maria. And there's like pool parties and yeah, it's it's incredible. It's probably one of the best Patreons in the history of mankind. I mean, really, what you get um, on the Patreon is exclusive material, uh, exclusive podcasts um, that don't make it onto normal podcasts. I, I just record it specifically for the Patreons. Um, also, I give feedback on on tunes and music. Um, there's consultation advice. There's loads of stuff. I'll like I'll I'll like dance with a comb, you know, like a little piece of tissue over a comb and, and blow it. Um, as as long as it keeps the Slacker podcast good name, uh, running. So I, what have I got for you? All right, I've I've talked about the Patreon. Um, let's just get into it, will we? Like, like I'll not slabber any longer. I think uh, the last couple I've done, I've I've spoken for quite a long time before it, and it's this isn't the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm not going to sell you about a hundred different things. Um, our podcast today is. From Sleaford Mods with Jason Williamson, we sat back. We sat down in um, the start of April to record this, and I, ha- I did have to edit some stuff out because it just doesn't feel applicable anymore. But um, some of it I had to keep in just for um, just for narrative sake, really, uh, of the conversation. Um, like you know, like we were recording this. It was probably the first um, podcast I hadn't done face to face. The first one over Zoom, and. Um, there was a lot of talk about like lockdown. I think it was like three weeks in and stuff like that. So I've cut most of that out. But he is an opinionated dude. He's got a lot to say about a lot of things. Um, he's he is in a a, a band that uh like took over the country for a, a period of a, of a couple of years and is still smashing it with with um Sleaford mods. And um, like I mean, if you've come across them and you don't know their music, you may have seen some of the spats that they've got into over the last couple of years. They don't do that really anymore, but you know there there had been the spats with idols and slaves and and and, and blossoms. And I mean, for me as a music fan, it makes it all a little, little bit more colourful. Um, so anyway, 
without further ado, here is the Slacker Podcast with Sleaford Mods in 3, 2, 1. Joining me now on the Slacker Podcast, we have uh, Jason Williamson, one half of Sleaford Mods. Hello. How you doing? It's a, a cheeky little grim to the to the course, uh, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So how's it going? Uh, how's things? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Ish. Um, it's all getting a bit. Sometimes it's, it gets a bit quite tense in the house, but um, we're getting through it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As we record this, I think we're like either on week three. I think all the days blur into one at the minute. Like I have no idea where we're at, but I think we're on big week three at the moment. So like yeah, a couple arguments go going around everybody's house at the minute but it's it's all good you're keeping yourself busy aren't we yeah trying to yeah um we're doing as much online as we can without kind of ruining it for everybody by just being on there 24 7 so um and thinking of other ways to you know just um create a presence a sort of did uh, you know sort of online presence that's interesting and helps helps keep the band in people's eyes you know what i mean so um but also you know we've got a new record to promote with all that glue and we're just trying to find ways to try and push that as well do you know what i mean uh because we haven't got gigs to uh to sort of promote it you know so that's it so, yeah all those things yeah have you have you missed out on a lot of gigs has a lot of stuff been cancelled for you guys yeah, quite. No, it's been quite, it was a quiet year for us anyway, but we had probably about 30 odd gigs, 35 gigs, 40 gigs probably, <clears throat> which is quiet for us. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we've lost out on a fair few, but, um, you know, hopefully it will, uh, it won't be for too long, you know. Yeah, I, I get this feeling that like as soon as everybody's allowed to tour again, the, like, the whole world is going to be touring, and that's going to be a good thing because the whole world is going to want to see music as well. So I feel like it's a yeah, this is it, you know. And I think, um, I mean, there was talk of uh, venues, all venues getting taken up by the bigger bands and the mid-level bands, but I disagree. You know, I think I think there'll be lots of scope for bands, sort of DIY bands as well, to kind of get out there. Um, that is if those small venues actually make it through because a lot of those small venues that i know of are very hand to mouth as it is so like you know a lot, some of yeah. them some of them won't make it through this whole coronavirus no, crisis a lot, them, a lot of them are obviously small businesses it's just not they're going to get eaten up yeah uh and uh i'm just waiting to see what kind of a uh a pain uh, you know, landscape full of uh, discomfort. That's going to be really when this finishes. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's certainly not a um, a good thing to think about or look for. You know, or, but it, it it looks like it's 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 going to come on top, doesn't it? So yeah, these um, album listening parties that you're doing, you've got them sort of scheduled out now up until the the end of May, um, and yeah. they seem to have been going down quite well. I, I saw you did you, did you do one with um, Tim Burgess from the Charlatans? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim started, it was Tim's idea. And um, he asked, he asked us if we wanted to do Key Markets, which was the third album. We sort of said, uh, yeah, go on then. And then afterwards we thought, oh, fuck it. You know, a lot of people were coming, uh, you know, getting in touch and saying, I'd you know, love it if you could do the rest of the album. So we asked Tim if that would be all right, because obviously it's his idea. We didn't want to kind of take take it and run with it but he's tim being tim was fine with it you know so um so yeah so we're looking forward to that first one's tonight at quarter past eight what, what are you doing an album listening party like do you get everybody to sit and listen because i actually haven't done one yet like i've seen a couple of people do yeah. um like netflix where like watching movies together and stuff like that but is it just like mm. live tweeting while listening to the songs yeah uh you just start the album from start to finish go through each track uh, and you just live tweet as much as you can, you know. Um, it's slightly more doable for us. Our audience isn't as big as, say, I mean, um, Bonehead did, um, uh, what's the, uh, sorry, definitely maybe. Mm -hmm. He also did, um, what's the story as well, but he was having a, he was having a nightmare. <laughs> just, you can imagine, can't you? Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, 
So, yeah, so it, it's slightly more realistic for us. It's slightly more doable. But we were still up until one in the morning answering tweets, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's I it. I mean, like in lieu of having to get up for anybody having to get up for a job at the minute, one a.m. doesn't really matter anymore. No, no, this is a thing. And, um, <laughs> it doesn't yeah, matter for me, you know. Thing, isn't it? No, and uh, but it's 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 quite easy to slip into that. And it, I mean, the whole thing about trying to keep try, trying to keep the vibe in the house good is is not slipping into it too much. Yeah, you know? of course. Not letting, uh, not letting go too much, you know. Speaking of speaking of bonehead, just because I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, would I go to an Oasis reunion if it was just Liam Gallagher, Bonehead, Tony, um, and all the rest of them, bar, bar Noel? I don't know if I would. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's got to have Noel in it, but at the same time, you just don't want to go because of Noel, do you? Uh, <laughs> and I think a lot of people share that opinion, you know. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say that would be an unfair remark, you know. Um, but I would. Would you go if it was all them lot, Barnold? If it if it had Tony McCarroll in doing the drumming again, that could be interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, he is the he is the a member, you know, part of the original lineup. So yeah, he'd have to be there, wouldn't he? Yeah, big time. I've never seen Oasis live, but I did see Liam Gallagher a couple of years ago um, playing in Finsbury Park. And the, oh, yeah. the the crowd that he gets is like they're just like I've never seen anybody anything like it before. Like in in England, in the south of England, in Ireland, that's just a normal gig. But in the south of England, people were losing their shit so much that there was a guy standing beside me who was about six foot five, probably about twenty two stone, carried it re- yeah. really well, and was completely bollock naked, um, drinking a bottle <laughs> of Rosie, and I mean completely bollock naked, smoking a fag, drinking a bottle of Rosie, and just enjoying himself, and not even making like any notifications to anybody going look i'm naked yeah yeah i mean this is it you know i mean you're gonna get what you get at these gigs especially with um you just get a largely working class audience i would imagine i've never seen him live i've seen liam live but i haven't seen oasis so yeah that's how i'm on about liam yeah yeah but you are getting you are getting largely an audience that you know is is from the lower echelons of uh, society and that's no you know i'm not being disrespectful there but you know it appeals and it still appeals to um, a working class audience so that's what you're getting in it you know what i mean um you know all these other gender uh, sort of bands sort of mid-level i don't know more more softer nicer bands you, you're getting a, a different clientele you know which is fair enough but yeah that's just the way it is i think yeah, but the, the middle class clientele never seems to lose their shit as much. <laughs> it's never as interesting. No, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. And it's quite orderly and quite, uh, you know, it's quite adult, so to speak. So, uh, which, I, you know, I prefer it, actually. You know, I yeah. can't be doing with, you know, seeing a load of lads just spitting and swearing and just talking absolute shit. I can't be doing with it, you know. There's, I mean? there's pros and cons to each one and the... The pros to um, the the working class one, like because I I grew up in a state, went to those gigs, went to those festivals growing up, but sure, sure. but the those gigs, the older you get, the less appealing they are. The more you're just like, oh for fuck's sake, yeah. give me a seat and a drink, yeah, and no cue. Yeah, it's just see, it's, it's a young thing and it's a it's a beer thing, it's a drink thing, isn't it? You know, mm. you've got to be absolutely arsehole. I've saw, I mean, I saw some clips of the last Liam tour, and it's like just lads fighting and. It's just same old, isn't it? It's, it's much the same as a terrace, really, in a lot of respects. You know what I mean? The football fans, right? Um, so we've got we've got a demo of um, Guillotine that we're going to play now. What's the, the sort of t- time stamp on, on that? What album was this, that from? Uh, this is one of the really early ones. It didn't make it because the lyrics were a bit cheesy, but um, Andrew's music's really on point here. It's really good. Um, so it's your fault then? Uh, yeah, my fault, basically. <laughs> I'm taking one for the team. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the lyrics were a little bit too, I don't know, just a bit obvious and uh, for me anyway. So, uh, yeah, it didn't quite make it. Okay, here it is. Thank you. 
Sleaford Mods, a demo of Guillotine from 2012, I'm guessing. 12, early 13, something like that. It could have possibly been. But it was definitely one of the first things we did where both of us looked at each other and thought, oh, that's actually all right. Yeah. But it just didn't make the cut because of the lyrics, really. What, what, what's the sort of vibe in the, in the studio with you two when, when you put together a, a, a demo like that? Is there a studio? Is it is it in your houses? Like, like how does it work? Do you send it back and forth? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he sends me the music and then I'll listen to it and come up with words or we just get in the studio and just throw words and lyrics, words and music together. You know, it kind of alternates, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, I guess with the sort of um, how prolific you've been releasing albums that it comes quite naturally to you guys. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, oh God, how long can we keep this interesting? Because there, there's nothing to it. So it's like, fucking hell, you know, oh shit. So with each release, you are, with, well, with each, uh, you know, sort of like journey into a new album, you are constantly, uh, you know, you quite nervous because it's like will it work will it fall apart is this it so we'll see you know what I mean you like you you're you're quite quite a singer as well like could you not like to start laying down some uh some croons some like uh uh Frank Frank Sinatra (laughs) terrible I think he'd walk out if I did that um what what was the what was like the spark between um between you and Andrew when you started working together like what was the the sort of commonality that you had um, don't know, just that he took on board what I had to say. And a lot of the time people don't, they kind of just ignore it because egos get in the way and he was willing to just go along with my idea. Uh, he didn't really have an idea as such as what kind of sound, but I kind of, I approached him with the idea in mind and because he was good, uh, at engineering because he made his own beats and those beats sounded good. 
uh, I thought it would be something that we could work with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I got with him and sort of said, this is what I want, he took that on board and turned it into his own thing, you know. Does does he do his own, like, beats and stuff outside of this as well? Like, does he make beats for other people or is, like, you know, sleep? Um, he does his own solo project, Extended Network, which is really kind of lo-fi, atmospheric, soundtracky vibe to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, very minimal, um, just very off, off, you know, sort of really... Not random, but it's, it's, it's certainly different. Do you know what I mean? I want to come back to for Mods um, in a little bit. I just want to come back to sort of the very start and see what sort of music you were into as a kid, like what sort of music was being played around around your gaff when you were growing up. Oh, God, my old man was into like pop music, uh, into, you know, the, the stuff at the time, which was the Human League, Queen, just like anything in the charts. Uh, he wasn't really into... He always used to brag about his Beatles collection, but he never played anything like that. <laughs> always stuff, stuff of the moment. Um, so, yeah, and as a kid, you, you know, you had to endure. It wasn't very interesting, stuff like Duran Duran, which is, which now is, is good, you know. But um, back in the day, uh, sort of 1980, it wasn't. It was, uh, it was kind of commercial, contemporary pop music, which wasn't. It wasn't interesting for what, me anyway. What did that do to you? Did that skew you the other way? Because, like, like, I mean, my mum listened to John Denver when I was growing up, and at the same time, I'd be listening to The Prodigy when I get home just to get myself back oh, onto right, even okay. came, like, you know? Both, both of those are quite good, really. I mean, well, obviously The Prodigy, but... Um, yeah, I don't... It did do much. I didn't really have an opinion on it until I met my stepbrother, who was banging to punk music. And so then I started getting into punk around 1981, uh, particularly Sex Pistols, um, kind of the exploited, uh, anti-pasty, a lot of the kind of second wave punk bands, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, The Damned, uh, uh, just stuff like that started listening to it and was getting quite obsessed with that stuff. Did you get to go and see them around that time or would you have been... Nah, nah, I mean, obviously the Pistols had broke so, yeah. up by then. Yeah. Uh, the dam was still going, but no, I didn't bother. You know, I nearly got the chance to see the jam, but that fell through as well. That's the obviously the the, the name Sleaford Mods goes back to um, the sort of mod culture that you, you were into, like when you were like a what, like a teenager, like you would have been into the jam and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, sure, sure, totally. It was uh, it was the done thing, you know. Did you have a Vespa? No, I did actually for a brief period, but I can't be doing with those old contraptions. You know, I really, you know, it's fine. A lot of people are into it, and I know a lot of people that have got one. So, you know, I don't want to appear rude when I say that they just don't appeal to me. You know, There's it's like riding around in a 1950s Morris Minor. Or something, <laughs> you know? The saddest thing that can ever happen a mod is completely losing your hair because you kind of lose your identity as a mod and suddenly become a skinhead. Um, yes, it, that. Yeah. I think um, yeah. there's a fella that I that I've heard about who like identifies massively as a mod but lost all his hair so went to turkey to get a, a hair transplant is now affectionate, affectionately known around the around his bits as the turkish mod <laughs> is his hair come back then well it's magic it's magic it's back <laughs> fair play to him man like you yeah. got the you got the balls to step up and do that man i'm getting light on top too i might have to take a little trip that way one, one way or the other myself <laughs> Um, I, mean, well, I mean, my age, people just have skinheads and just walk around in polo tops, you know, and that usually sort of says, yeah, I'm still a mod. But um, it works yeah, that way. Um, yeah. Um, so, like, what was the, like, were you into the stuff like the the Smiths and stuff? Because obviously, like, the 80s was like the your sort of formative years coming up. Yeah. No, I wasn't. No, I was never into them. Um, it was never a thing. In my school, it was either the jam or or nothing. <laughs> most people in my school, was there yeah. not, there was nothing else. In my school were, they, in fact, the people that were in the higher classes that, you know, the more sort of, you know, because it went from A to D. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I was in D and anyone in the A classes, there was a whiff of, you know, sort of prog rock, but that was more for grammar schools. In secondary schools, it was largely, uh, it was largely sort of soul, Tamra Motan, Northern Soul, 
and uh, you know bands like The Jam, U2 as well when they first came out as well because they did quite appeal to uh, to, to that kind of an audience. You know what I mean? Were you a U2 fan when they came out? No, I couldn't be doing with it. But the first album's really good. Um, they are, they were good. You know, let's face it. You know what I mean? Have you heard uh, ba- uh, Bono's point. son's kids got a band now called Inhaler, and they're sort of uh, doing their bit at the minute? What they like? I think they're good. I don't think you'll like them. <laughs> what kind of music is it? I don't mind them. Um, who do they remind me of? They remind me a little bit of Blossoms, but maybe a little bit more rock and roll. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are they called? What are they called? Called in- Inhaler. Inhaler. As, as in, no, if no. you're asthmatic, you need a yeah yeah <laughs> what about acid um, house and stuff like that like did you did you fuck about with like rave music and, and things like that just club, yeah i was more of like a clubber i wasn't a raver um what's the so difference clubs. well clubbers were a little bit more smarter uh ravers were kind of that uniform bucket hats flares you know sort of long sleeve tops uh, so what would clubbers. what would the music be for a raver and what would the music be for a clubber? Ravers, it would be it would be uh, hardcore, uh, happy hardcore. Oh shit! Techno, Respect to the techno. man in the ice cream van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the techno was a thing for clubbers as well, but it was kind of more controlled, a little bit slower. Everything was at a certain BPM for ravers, uh, whereas clubbers were it was more Italian house music sort of you know stuff coming out of new york uh and also 70s disco big influence there the lyric stuff as well all that thrown in do you know what i mean i feel like those the, those um musical sort of like points that you you mixed out there now is kind of what clubbers listen to now a lot of like a lot of my friends will listen to a lot of italo a lot of old disco um some rare northern soul like i don't think that's dying sure, off. yeah yeah, yeah. I think, you know, because my sister was a raver and, you know, it was just terrible. You know, you're looking, you're looking at, you're looking at really fast BPM, you know, speeded up vocals. Uh, but then again, there was some good rave music, obviously, but, you know, we weren't, we were more into the kind of, the kind of more glossy clubber type things. You would you, I mean? would you pilgrimage? Like, would you like go to Manchester? Would you go to Glasgow? Would you go we went to-, to the Hacienda once, but that was just after it was starting to decline. It wasn't great. I think it was on a Monday night or something. It was shit. The ecstasy wasn't very. We bought some pills. They were shit. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very good. Um, we used to venture out to Leeds, Huddersfield, uh, but it was mostly Nottingham, uh, a club called Venus that we'd go to uh, that was just brilliant. Was there was there ecstasy and drugs and stuff like that like an important part of it? Yeah, well, it was the only reason you did it. And then obviously the music followed, mm-hmm. but you know, drugs got you into it big time. It was just like a revelation, you know. It really was. Ecstasy was absolutely brilliant, <laughs> uh, and then it went sour very quickly, you know. What what were you doing like yourself? Were you trying to make it in music at that stage or were, were you just were you, uh, No, working? I was clubbing. I'd actually moved to America to see my cousin and I ended up staying for like six months. Uh, I saved up a load of money and went over there in the hope of trying to get a band together like an idiot, uh, which was a really unrealistic thing. But at the same time, it was good life experience. Uh, kind of learned to try and, you know, I learned to live on my own a little bit. Yeah. Sort of caught up with the trials and tribulations of life uh, as an employed, you know, sort of person. So it was uh, it was quite interesting. How far, how far did you get, like, when you went to San Francisco? Like, when you want to start a band and you move to, like, a new city like that, what do you do? Like, just put, put, put a, p- a piece of paper up at a, at a studio? I just a car and then just was, like, trying to meet people. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, it was obviously still apparent that that was quite um, quite an unrealistic thing, really. Uh, and so I came home after about six months. When you when you came home, did you bring the same guitar home with you and the same ambition? Yeah, I bought the same. Yeah, I did bring the same guitar home. It was terrible. But yeah, I still had the same ambition. But uh, that got put on the back burner for a while because I got back into clubbing again. 
and I was just living for the weekend, really, working in a factory and then going out raving at the weekend, clubbing at the weekend, uh, and that was it. And then I didn't start properly getting back into the idea of trying to do it until about 92. Uh, I was in the process of trying to get into theatre schools, but because um, uh, I thought I'd go and do that because I really enjoy acting. Uh, as uh, when I did my A-levels at college. Mm. <clears throat> but theatre schools were just, again, that was another room. It just felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall. It was, you know, it was a lot of money for the course fees, which I didn't have. And you, you were mostly getting uh, people from wealthy backgrounds sort of auditioning and getting in, you know what I mean? I was going to say, like, um, drama, drama in the early 90s and 80s would have been only something that people in the middle and upper classes could really, really do. Oh, like big time. Shane Meadows yeah, big and all that sort of stuff hadn't kicked in until like the 2000s when it sort of opened no, up to the working no. class, really. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, it was really a, you know, you could tell that each audition that you went to, people were just like, next, come on, you know. If you have the money... Uh, you, I, if I'd have had the money to go, it would have been a case of, yeah, I'd have gotten somewhere definitely. So you should, yeah. like, you should have went in with a fake name, like, like Jason's fine, like it, it, it can kind of surf between classes, but you should have just gone, gone straight in and go, hello, Gilbert here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sign him up. I can remember I did one at the Gildor School of Music and Drama, and she was like, "Come back next year, just come back," and I'm like. I haven't got, I, I don't, I, I can't keep working in this shithole just to fund auditions because they were like 25, 30 quid at a crack. Yeah. So <clears throat> I just, just got back into taking more drugs, going out, clubbing, and then sort of had a reawakening with music when Paul Weller released his uh, second debut album, uh, second solo album. Uh, Wildwood mm. and I really bang got back into mod and all that kind of stuff um, which had been sort of poked about with, with the Stone Roses but they they just went AWOL and then it just left a massive void you kind of had swayed but it wasn't really doing that much for me and then obviously Weller came out with his album and a year later Oasis came out out of nowhere with that album and it was it was quite a good time and and so I just got totally back into the idea of doing music and that's like really the start of Britpop then around around about that time. yeah it was well I mean kind of Suede were really Britpop the start of it and uh Luke Haynes with the Artois is it I think it's it'll kill me if I get the pronounce his band name wrong Arturs <laughs> um, or whatever uh, sorry Luke and um, you know stuff like that and then obviously you had uh, Oasis came along but they weren't really Britpop I think they just got lumped in with it they just came out under the uh, you know under the influence of the Stone Roses etc uh, and then you had all these other bands uh, jumping in there as well you know what I mean it was a really it was a really fertile um, moment for for obviously guitar bands from from the UK, but like yeah. al- almost equally, there was so much shite that came out like uh, baggaged as Britpop as well because all of the major record labels re- were realizing hey oh, we can make gosh. a load of money off this so they signed any yeah. band that had a decent haircut <laughs> anywhere yeah, in the UK tons. absolutely tons. Yeah. Um, 
that I, you know, I just didn't like. Um, but it really was a melting pot of the, the image of it, you know, the, that air cut and everything else. <clears throat> and this resurgence, this new period of mod uh, that had come with it really did take, you know, cocaine had became very popular, you know, uh, consumerism up to notch with fashion and everything else. Uh, and it, it, it started to become a very dark place, you know what I mean, I think. What, what was that like for you? Because, like, you would have been, <clears throat> like, you know, like trying to make it as a band. Were you working in a factory at that time as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was doing factory stuff, and then I started to get into uh, fashion retail, clothing retail, because you didn't obviously need any experience, uh, and uh, you just needed to like clothes, which I did anyway. So I started getting into stuff like that. Uh, which was better, obviously, than uh, you know working on a line. But what's um, what's it like if you're if you're making like minimum wage or just above, um, and you're into this whole consumerism and getting caught up in the the idea of champagne and uh, cocaine that sort of yeah. that Britpop kind of showed out mm-hmm. to the world. Um, yeah. what, what's it like when you're when you're earning what you're earning and you're watching Alex James talking about spending a thousand? pounds on this or a million million pounds on whatever yeah problematic you know problematic because um at the time i was earning fucking hell i don't know probably about coming out with about 600 quid a month not even that uh 500 i can't remember it was but if i bought one gram of coke that'd be it i'd have no more money for the rest of the month because you went on rent, uh, stuff like uh, obviously food, traveling to work. So it became problematic and you'd end up getting into debt with drugs mostly. All of us did, you know. Um, but because the cocaine thing was so popular, so prevalent, uh, it allowed for people to buy it on the never-never and you were constantly owing people money for it, do you know what I mean? Um, so, so, yeah, you know. And it became like sort of almost like the Gallaghers were at the top of the mountain, you know, there they were and they were the, they were iconic in the sense that they, what they represented back then was this, this insular cocaine taking society. Do you know what I mean? Which it's still now, I mean, cocaine, I mean, we're the biggest place in Europe for it, aren't we still? Um, so, um, but back then it was like, you know, because you could relate to the Gallaghers so much because obviously they were just two working class lads. It's like, it, it, it was almost within reach, you know what I mean? But, but not. So, um, so yeah, it was quite a, a claustrophobic time. Really. Did it, did it get out of hand? Like, did you have to like knock it on the head? Cause obviously like, you know, we do, do drugs yeah, for, no, no, I didn't, for, no, I didn't for a long time. Some, somebody's going to come in and just go here. You need to give your head a shake. And yeah, well, yeah, a few times, lots of times, but I just, I just kept taking it until five years ago. I stopped and now I'm, I haven't done any for since then, you know, I've not drank. I've, I'm completely teetotal now. So did you, did you go on the 12 steps or did you do it yourself? No, no, I didn't need the 12 steps, but I needed to talk to someone. Mm. I needed, uh, I needed some psychological help. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, I did that for about a good year uh, when the band took off because I had the money to. Do you know what I mean? It became quite clear that um, it this wasn't going away. So I needed to tackle it. I tried other ways. I tried going to Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous and doing other stuff, uh, but none of it worked. Uh, until I gave up drinking and started having uh, um, psychiatric treatment. That's uh, that's good, man. I think everybody needs to find their way. Yeah, I mean, there's various ways you can do it, but you have to you have to recognise what it is in yourself, and then you need to have a plan, you know. Mm. And um, and something uh, you have to constantly work at, I'd imagine, as well. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. You need, you need, you've got to want to do it. But the, but I, what I find is how when people's backs are against the wall and they've got no choice, then they change, and that's really what happened to me. You know, I took it to the full limit before 
I thought, no, I can't carry on because I've got kids now, you know. And obviously my wife, who I was just uh, really just, you know, putting, sending into really bad dark places. And I just thought this isn't right, you know. Mm. So yeah, I had to sort that out, which I did, you know. Well, maybe it's a blessing, a blessing that your Britpop band uh, didn't take off in the in the nineties. Yeah, I often think about that, and uh, yeah, it would have been, you know, I talked to Patrick Murray a lot out of These Animal Men, and they were one of the more prominent bands around that time. Uh, that were, you know, uh, you know, I think they had four or five top ten hits. But he, just some of the stuff he comes out with is just, it's a horror story, you know. Uh, and um, I, I just, yeah, it would have been, it would have been bad news, you know what I mean? Mm. It, was, it was nothing short of, uh, nothing short of a, a, a full-scale crime. Was your, was, was your band called Meat Pie? Yeah, Meat Pie, yeah. And it was like a cross between Small Faces and uh, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> My God, that sounds absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so out of, out of that, like, you know, a lot of people talk about British revolutions and music and stuff in, in the mid to late 90s, or so the whole, a lot of the 90s, a lot of the mid period of the 90s, it was Britpop. I think the, the, yeah. ne- the next great revolution for me in terms of British music was the uh, Esky beat, the like Wiley's grime yes. music that kicked yeah. off 2001, yeah. really. Yeah, 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 sure. I think generally he, he was largely responsible for it. And when he sees people coming up that he's worked with, uh, who are turning it into a little bit of a, a bit of a nightmare? Then, um, yeah, why not stick your oar in? You know, I think uh, <laughs> I think yeah. At the same time, if he's got to be prepared to take the flat because he gets some fucking shit for it. But I think I think it's it's, it's fair enough. He, he you know he, if he sat there and he, he kind of co-designed it majority of it anyway. Um, I think he's got every right to, you know. Um, it's, I don't know. It's an odd one, isn't it? Yeah, I mentioned this to you because I know grime music had a, had a big. Uh, it, was, it was a big inspiration for for you. It was, yeah, like for the game. early 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 sleeper stuff. It was really, you know, when me and Andrew first got together, I was obsessed with watching uh, videos of well, like Lord Nottingham of the Mics. Yeah, just or little Nottingham street gangs, you know, just just um, you know, one of them had a little beat coming through his phone, and then you get these other lads just 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 spitting over it, and it was it was I was obsessed with it. It was like this is this is brilliant. I had a know? conversation with somebody about like I was asking them why early grime music sounded the way it did, and they told me that it was made purposely with less of a low end and more of a high end because it would sound better on a Sony Ericsson. Yeah, there's that because you know a lot of these people were just listening to it through such things, so um, you know they, they they didn't have the the luxury of big speakers. You know what I mean? Uh, which which is brilliant. You know, it in 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 some respects it's not a million miles away from skiffle, is it? You know what I mean? It's just the bare bones. You know what I mean? So uh, so yeah, um, you know, I was really taken with it. Like, what is it about, um, like, rap music and hip-hop music that, that made you find your voice? Just the absolute coarseness of it and the kind of just punky, didn't care for the consequences of, of, of what people might think of it, you know. I think the, the one, I was always into it, but it was always very much hip-hop. It was like, yeah, I can't do that. Uh, I love it, but I can't do it, you know. Um, it was always very slick as well uh, until I started listening to the Wu-Tang's first album, mm-hmm. which is not slick. It's like, it's anything but, and it's, it's desperate. It's, it's, uh, it's chaotic. It's insular. It's, it's, it's just absolutely forward thinking uh, there's not a lot of rhyming and yet there is, you know, it's more, if you listen to it closely, they're just shouting and that's really <laughs> what got me. You know what I mean? They're just shouting. Like, I, I get that. Little, I get that. Yeah. And the little skits in between the songs were fucking just as good as the songs, you know, where he's coming in and talking about shooting two doors down 
And, uh, you know, half of them are listening, the other half are bothered about what this certain person owes them. You know what I mean? Where's my money or where's my, where's my tape you get? I gave you, blah, blah, blah. And it's just fucking brilliant. And um, although I'm a million miles away from that, um, it you related to it. Do you know what I mean? There's something structureless about those songs that, that I quite like. Like the more aggressive a song is, the less of a structure I, I feel like it, it should have, that the structure should be lost in the chaos of the track. Like I you, think so. You, I think so. You, you have that. Oh, oh, you guys have that a yeah. lot. Sorry? You, you guys have that a lot. Like sometimes you'll do yeah. st- structureless tracks. But what pulls it together is a chorus. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of age old. It's like old poems, you know, where like a town crier, uh, some of these European old, oldie, worldy folk poems that are just completely fucking random. <laughs> and then, but what joins it together is the person saying it will repeat one of the lines twice. And that, to me, will, it acts as an intro, as a chorus, and as an end. You know what I mean? Mm. So it kind of gels the thing. It's a bit like egg yolk, it kind of marries it together. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like I, I, I never, I wasn't on like your stuff before 2012, 2013. Cause I know you put out four records before you started working with Andrew. I think, yeah. am I right? That was with somebody called yeah. Sarf, Saf? Um, Parf. Parf. I've got Simon <laughs> Parfman. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, sorry Parf. Yeah. He's got um, a bit of an odd name. He's got an odd face as well. <laughs> um, what were those? What were those early early albums like? Um, yeah, they, they, I mean, it was just me trying to, you know, just ripping off what I learned from hip hop, which was just trying to get samples. But but we didn't know how to sample, so I would just loop things. Yeah, uh, and I would loop favorite bits of records. Uh, and uh, just shout over those, and that's how it all started, really. It sounds like the birth of hip hop there. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, basically, yeah, basically the same uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, but well, basically, I mean, I was listening yeah. to more sort of late mid nineties period where it was like they'd nick a drum beat and then put stuff over it. So you're like, oh fuck, how did they do that? <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, Path was good at engineering. Uh, recording stuff, recording vocals. He was a, quite a technical wizard, but he didn't know how to sample. Um, I don't think he could be bothered, to be honest. And um, he wasn't interested in writing anything organic, anything new, original. So I just had to come up with the ideas, and he would just he would just record it for me. You know? So you were basically the engine, and you needed uh, you needed somebody to help steer it that way, and that's where Andrew came. Yeah, in. basically. And I think a lot of a lot of them worked like that. Um, I mean, you know, whether all. God bless him, he used to work like that. He had somebody that could do the engineering of thing, mm. and he would just sit there and dictate the ideas, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think, like, when, when you're... I don't know, some people see that, and they'll be like, going, oh, that's not the way you should do it. But, like, actually, the old, like the older I'm getting, the more I'm looking into producers, people like people like David Holmes. Uh, David, like, I was for, just about to say David example. He's exactly the same, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't uh, doesn't play too much, but like, my God, like, no. is he a conductor? Like, he can he can make yes. shit happen. He brings the ideas. And it, you could put it to sort of like clothes as well, like Paul Smith, you know. Mm. Or, I mean, I know he had a lot of tailoring experience, but generally, he'll just go up to a load of people that can do that and just say, right, can you do this, that, and the other, you know. He, people bring the ideas and there's other people that have got the ability to work the apparatus apparatus you know what i mean yeah like i i know where i want to like if i, <laughs> I was going to i was going to use it i was going to use a toilet as a as an example there and i thought against it i was just like i know where i want the toilet to be in the in the room but uh, i'm not, i'm not the one to do it maybe i'll stick the, i'll leave you to the metaphors and similes how about that um the first song i heard of you guys was tied up in knots um and i remember hearing it for the first time and i remember absolutely losing my mind and I've, i haven't had that feeling too many times um since like with, with with something that like really grabs you like in a really aggressive manner where you just come out yeah. you, like i come out wide-eyed afterwards going this is fucking amazing this yeah. ha- it did actually happen to me recently with an artist called bob villain 
um oh i've heard of that yeah, yeah. i heard they I, I heard a track um last week and i had that and it hasn't happened to me since a band called touts that, that i i listened to as well Pro- oh, proper um, little punk okay, band yeah, i've heard of tarts as well actually. yeah I, well the thing is i do a chiller show on radio one but i absolutely love aggressive ch- <laughs> like punk music and stuff like that but the thing that like i remember about that song is i remember bringing it to my producer going we're playing this tonight and my producer was like no we're not because x y and z because it had the word cunt in it it had like a load of fucks in it and i was like so they were like well we could edit it out and i was like we can't edit it out because it'll ruin the it'll ruin the song so so i remember my uh exec editor uh was their first day so i like walked up to him with the track going can you clear this for me so i can play tonight and he was just like, "Are you testing me?" Like, like he still, he, he, he said. I, I remember he said he looked at me and just said, he like look took his headphones off, and just said, "The smell of piss is so strong; it smells like decent bacon." <laughs> Do you really think we could play that in Radio One? I was like, "Well, John Peel would have played it," and they were like, "Okay, well, I'll tell you what, you can play it, but just take the concert." <laughs> Because yeah. uh, he was the, he was the boss of Radio One then. It was George. Um... Uh, it was George. Yeah, that didn't go to George. It didn't go as far up the line to George. Like uh, it was more nighttime. It was like our sort of evening editor. But uh, fair play to them. Like they, they were just like, yeah, go ahead, just take the c word out. He got in touch with me. George did, and he said we'd love to play more of your stuff, but we just can't because of the content. I'm really sorry, and uh, you just don't get that these days, do you? You know what I mean? Do you feel like kind of like vaguely? responsible for what the sort of music that six music is putting out right now because there's a lot of angry uh, angry men like, like you're with like angular guitars <laughs> on six music right yeah. now and sometimes i'm listening to it going they listen to sleaford mods they listen to a bit of fat white yeah. family yeah yeah of course yeah i think um, i talked to Lewis from fat white family a lot and um he's uh you know yeah we both sort of think yeah the the, the evidence is quite clear but doesn't make you feel any better about it sometimes. And it also, going back to the Wiley thing, it's like, although it's guitar bands, and we're obviously not a guitar band, I mean, Lewis yeah, is yeah. a guitar band, but, but um, you do feel like they're messing with the uh, the recipe and not, not giving it the full ingredients, you know what I mean, a lot of the time. The, that has been something that's kind of, irked you over the years like i've i've, I've said like i mean i i love situations like this and i know i shouldn't like it's but i i don't watch i don't watch uh coronation street or eastenders or any reality tv oh, sure. so um like i have to get my entertainment out of other places so so <laughs> so when when bands start go like sort of cracking off at each other like i i just buy some popcorn sit back on twitter don't get involved and just <laughs> hit, hit, hit refresh and I, I, I've like you know I've seen you like go go at slaves um, and idols. Oh, yeah. I think they're like the two big ones in my head that I can remember the the arguments yeah. from. I learned my lesson about um, having a go at people online because I had a little Twitter thing with blossoms, and that didn't work out too well. And so uh, I thought, yeah, I'm not doing that again. You can never really do it properly online. Um, but um, as regards slaves, yeah, there was a little bit of commotion there, but. Um, they don't offend me anymore. It's, but yeah, idols do. Yeah, definitely. Do they still offend yeah. you? Yeah, I, I don't think about them too much. But if I do, then yeah, it definitely offends me. What is it like? What is it that winds you up about them? I don't know. I think it's just the. Um, I just don't believe him for a start. And uh, there was a lot. There was a lot of detail in the first album that led me to believe that they were a street band, and it's quite clear that they weren't. I think on the um, you know the campaign for the second album, and he's talking about knowing people that, that work for Saatchi, Saatchi, and you know we've done this, and the way he talked as well, I just thought you sound like a fucking wanker, mate. And uh, I felt a bit duped by it all, and then it became quite clear that uh, my um, suspicions were correct. Um, but it's it's a tough one that that kind of uh, a mindset. You know, it, it goes over a lot of people's heads because a lot of people just aren't bothered. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, <clears throat> I, I guess I that, because you make make, make like music of a certain style and it comes from a real place, like maybe that it, it winds you up the other way. Like personally, one of my favorite band in the entire world is The Clash, and Joe Strummer came from a massively privileged family, and it like doesn't yes. make doesn't make the music any worse to me. So like, I, I it's things like this don't really wind me up that much, but they do 
other people i know that like that's sure, fair sure sure uh and yeah i just think they are also a part of this whole new breed of tokenistic sort of you know uh, uh righteous you know just full of little buzzwords uh you know lots of little lots of imagery and uh brief association with stuff that would say that they are you know right on band you know what i mean and i think that kind of thing is like that's been going through the timeline of music forever uh and i just think that a band like that and other bands associated with them um are you know are of the today's version of that for me mm. so it, yeah it, it, it winds you up it gets you you know um because i'm obsessed with what i do and so if somebody's going to come out with something that is a carbon copy because they were influenced by what we do and other people uh, that's just not enough you know you've got to you've got to have a message uh, and I don't think they've got a message. They're just they're just pulling at um, social uh, themes and and just dressing them up. It's like it's like they're just sitting there with and just taking things out of and out and going right. We're going to talk about the NHS now. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Uh, and they haven't got a lot to say. You know what I mean? What what happens now if you see like an act or something that winds you up? Like, do, do, do you have to stay off Twitter? Do you have to like? almost like grab your phone and fuck it into the fire going right not today jason not today yeah you do you have to calm down because i don't want to turn into a fucking victor meldrew but you know unfortunately i probably am to a lot of people but uh yeah i, it, it, I try and get involved now with new music and try and see the good in it yeah I've, I've seen your music i've seen your spotify playlist i was having a look at it earlier on there's some good stuff on there yeah you know some of it and there is some good stuff out there you know uh, and I'm not a classist, so to speak. You know, I'm not going to not listen to something because it's not, it's it is it's not working class. That's just stupid. But you know, if if someone's going to come along and just steal things and wear it as a badge, uh, it just annoys me. You know what I mean? So yeah how how do you guys fare um in sleaford mods around the around the world like i know like like very early on germany took to you quite 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 well but what like what are other pl- sort of places uh are you kind of big in really um, we're looking at eastern terror like eastern european territory we're looking at hungary and all those other places around there uh and uh i don't know we're going further afield we've just been to australia and thinking you know obviously we're going to be in america now but obviously that's that's falling through we're going to do coachella that would have been interesting um but yeah um just trying to think of other places to play <laughs> you're going to play Co- I know, it's, it took a second for the penny to drop there like uh, coachella like just imagine I, I can't imagine like you enjoying coachella in the slightest i find in my head like the the idea of coachella is probably one of the, I don't know. I just get this idea of like very vacuous people go into it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the image it's got, and I think it's trying to change that. But they've been asking us from year dot. Oh right, you know, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we get asked, but we just ain't got it. We ain't got the. We didn't have the money, or we didn't have the time. Uh, we didn't think it was right, or whatever. But um, it got to the point now where we were like, yeah, we'll do it. Fuck it, uh, and we were gonna base a whole US tour around it, you know. Oh, I mean? wow, right, okay, fucking hell. Um, what about Glastonbury? Will you be back? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. I mean, um, see what happens, isn't it? Mm. Um, Glastonbury tend to concentrate on, you know, up-and-coming buzzy bands and, you know, classic bands. I'm not sure if we're either of those two. Uh, so, uh invites so a few and far between well, not few and far between but um you know they tend to invite you at once every other year or if you've got a release then yeah you go but um if you've not got an album out then you're not going to get a go you know what i mean what else uh, have you got like coming up in 
like the rest of the year like music wise like obviously like we're not talking tours here we're not talking leaving the house even like but what, no. what can we look um, forward to um well we were gonna record a new album and then tour america and then that was it and then there was a load of uh, european festival dates and then there were we were thinking about doing a couple of uk shows at the end of the year but that's all gone out the window at the minute so what's what's your biggest uk show to date uh, we played Hammersmith Odeon. Wow, that's pretty big. Uh, that was, yeah, that was really good. So that was brilliant, actually, with Stuart Lee and the Viagra Boys as well. The first time I went, I, I saw you live was at the Lexington in London, and Stuart, yeah. Stuart Lee was at that show, and I'd never seen him. I, I was like, it was a double whammy for me because I was getting to see you guys for the first time, but I'd never seen Stuart Lee in person before. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's really, really good. So I've known, we've known Stuart for quite a long time, so we kind of asked him to come along. And, we, you know, I'm a kind of quite a big fan of the Viagra boys. I think they're great. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so we asked them if they fancied it, and they popped along. And, uh, yeah, it was really good. Happy days. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat to me. Um, and I, I'd imagine you'll be nothing but prolific with uh, with more music. You always are. Fingers crossed, mate. Yeah, you know I mean? we'll see how it lands. Studio, you know, but I'm hoping the lockdown uh, they'll allow us to go out and record an album. I might personally write to Boris Johnson. You know what I mean? Right, Jason. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for being part of the, the Slacker podcast. And uh, cheers to the demo of Guillotine. And good luck with uh, everything in the in the future. And I hope you get to wear wear your favorite belly top to Coachella next year. <laughs> <laughs> nice to talk to you, mate.